Good evening. I'm here to suggest that uh, we all grow up differently. I think, I think we all, for the most part, do. It's different times when we enter this life. It's different places we're raised and different families, different people, different opinions. I can tell you that we all probably have memories and impressions of events and ideas that stick with us still from our earliest days. And I personally remember, I don't, I don't know about y'all, but watching some classic TV shows, some classic movies. Some that ring a bell might be Hogan's Heroes or Daniel Boone, The Rat Patrol, Andy Griffith, movies like Star Wars, and definitely, in my case, Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. Fess Parker portrayed this American hero, this frontiersman and congressman who is born on the mountaintop in the great state of Tennessee. I can sing the song today, but it isn't exactly in the hymnal, so I will refrain from taking that liberty, much to your delight. Besides growing up wearing a coonskin cap and whistling the song and carrying a rifle out in the woods, uh, I came away from the David Crockett story with a sense of having to understand the why in life. You see, whether you watch Davy Crockett being played by John Wayne in the classic 1960 movie or Fess Parker, there's something about the real character that's stirring. Crockett went down on his own to the besieged city of San Antonio, Texas to defend the liberty of that fledgling country. At some point, he realized that there was no chance of survival. He would die there. I'm sure he really sat down and debated the why behind his presence at the Alamo. That why was the reason for which he would lay down his life. And it's the reason he would live his life in the way that he did up until the end. This why is the great cause behind behind how he lived his life down to those final courageous moments. The why in our lives should be no different. It is imperative that we understand the why behind our lives, the reason for our every thought and action. Today, I'm here to tell you the truth and nothing but it. The truth is that we've been called. Romans 8.28 says that we've been called to a purpose. And the truth is that whether you're a God-fearing man or a God-fearing woman, or you aren't, the whole purpose of life is exactly what Paul says in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. We are called to be imitators of the Lord, of our Heavenly Father. Also, if I'm here to tell you the truth, I can't leave out important details, especially when it's about each one of our souls in dwelling place. The things that we must observe among the many inspired words that we have find themselves placed at our convenience today, immediately prior to Paul's explaining of our roles as imitators of God. Ephesians 4.25 and the following verses set a very high standard for each one of us. In order for us to understand what we have laid out before us in imitating the Lord's holiness and goodness, we've got to hear the words written 
for our own edification. In fact, we know these words in the letter to the Ephesians are meant for edification, as in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, Paul says, Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Knowing the high quality of those words and the words leading to our role as Christians, let's listen to the inspired words of Paul in Ephesians. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one, one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Then he, he goes on to tell us our purpose, and I'll read it again. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Now I would argue that for us to further understand that this whole paragraph of Paul, what, what it means, we need to break it into some smaller pieces. So first, we must not lie. We've got to tell the truth. There's no excuse for us to hide the truth because if Christians aren't forthright with their words, who will be? Who can be relied on to be honest if we aren't? In the end, it's our relationship with the Lord that matters. Your relationship with him and my relationship with him. And neither you nor I can hide anything from him. So don't be deceiving others. Our relationship with people reflects our relationship with our Father. And if you're lying to the folks around you, you're probably lying to the Lord too. And second, we are part of the same body, as it says. So we must acknowledge that all we do as a member of that body affects the rest just the same as it affects us. This demands our selfishness be, be put to the side, specifically the lying and the other things Paul mentions. Romans 15, 5 through 6 talks about how we are to be together in mind and in what we say and do. It says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded, Toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Following on with Ephesians 4, Paul says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. This task makes up for what it lacks in complexity with its difficulty. We are to settle our disputes quickly, fairly, lovingly, with the mindset of Christ as our own. There is, there is righteous anger. You can be angry. 
We know that. We see that Jesus had righteous anger when he cleansed his father's temple in Matthew 21 and Mark 11. When we let our emotions get out of control, even in the slightest, whether it's anger or jealousy or anything else, we allow Satan to enter through our lack of self-control and a lack of devotion to the word of God. This is unacceptable. And we must all work to fight our own urges through the supplication and prayer to Almighty God. Paul later mentions thievery and stealing. Regardless of the situation, stealing comes from a lack of contentment. Paul learned to be content in all situations. He stated that quite plainly in Philippians chapter 4. And he pushes us on past not just stealing, but to working so we can help others who are in need. That's a common point that's made within the text that we have, the inspired word. We must go the second mile. We must go farther than anyone else. I'm here to be straightforward with you. We must abandon our flawed, earthly longings and focus on doing good with what the Lord has left us, keeping in mind that we are to be imitators of God. We are holy and we are set apart, and we have been given a purpose and a task. It's about time that we started acting like it instead of pining for the worthless junk that we love so much. Verse, verse 29 tells us to watch what we say. Whether it's Paul here in Ephesians or James in his letter, we had better keep in mind that what we say comes straight from our heart. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Everything that we do, every little thing, comes from our heart. That includes what we say, what we think, what we do. It comes from the inside. If we're lying, gossiping, stretching the truth, or just talking nasty about other people, we are wrong. If I do it, I'm wrong. If anybody does it, it's just not right. No matter who they say they are, who they think they are, or anything else. The Bible says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Now, I think it's pretty clear, but some people might kind of twist that. I mean to tell you that no corrupt word means not even one. And it's real tough to do. I'll be the first to admit it. But together, we can help each other say kind things that encourage people instead of tearing them down. We all know what it's like to be hurt by such pointed and angry words. Words can hurt so badly. But let's work on building each, other's, each other up, edifying them with our words like God wants. Proverbs still has much to say about this. Chapter 16, verse 24 says, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Another example of the good that kind words do, opposite the problems evil words do, is from Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And the conclusion of this passage here in Ephesians talks about grieving the Holy Ghost. 
Doing these things, as Paul has instructed us to do, is pleasing to the Lord, including what follows in verses 31 and 32 of chapter 4. Paul puts a lot in these two verses, and it's important that we don't ignore them just because they're not at the front end of the paragraph. I'm really challenged by these words, and the challenge doesn't get any easier as life goes on or as you develop as a Christian and grow. Hopefully we all understand that God doesn't set out an easy path for any of us. Instead of an easy path, he gives us a tougher path that leads to everlasting life with him and the angels in glory. Paul's challenge in these two verses is this. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. If you're a Christian, you've been forgiven of every wrong that you've ever committed and every wrong that you will ever commit. You've got to ask God, you've asked him, and you've got to keep asking him to forgive you. He does forgive you. He loves you. He loves everyone. But if you're not a Christian, God wants you to be. God wants to forgive you, and he's offered forgiveness and the cleansing and the love that comes with obeying his word. But just as much as he wants to give it to you, he can't until you follow his commands. So follow him. You've just got to reach out and take hold of the opportunity. When you think about the why in life, it all comes into focus. Just like it did for David Crockett when he decided to make his last stand at the Alamo. You're here to be imitators of God, to serve him. Be what God has set especially you apart to be. Be that Christian. Be that light to the world. Be that example. And if you need, please take it to God right now, whether it's in prayer or talking to someone. Take care of it. There is no time to waste. God has said that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And knowing that, you've got to act. and You've got to make this decision now. So, if you do have need, please come forward as we stand and as we sing.